Did you hear? This is your Johnson County Library Insider. And now, our monthly must-knows. Here's the episode's call number. 320, Political Science, Politics, and Government. We present your word of the month. Donnybrook, a free-for-all, a brawl, usually a public quarrel or dispute. We here at the Did You Hear podcast hope that through the encouragement of civic discourse, we can avoid the dreaded Donnybrook. Here are numbers you should know. One. It only takes one person to make a difference. Welcome to the Did You Hear podcast. Your library insider. <laughs> for the the month of October. There is nothing funny about a podcast being the uh, library insider. insider. <laughs> I, I laugh at the fact that I, I forget you're going to do that every time. <laughs> And then, so, and then the and then laugh at the fact that I can't pronounce insider. insider. I, I put it. I put a R in there. Inserter. Oh. Well, hello again, everybody. This is Charles, and I'm here with Dave. Hi there. And this month we are continuing with our series of discovering your library with part five and yes. civic engagement. Yes. So. Dave, have you been civically engaged this month? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, um, were, did you ever debate? Were you ever in debate? I was no. not. I had a lot of friends who were, but I was on the kind of the other side of the that group of people. They were all doing the speaking stuff, and I was doing the music stuff. Yeah, you know, my my daughter was very a very accomplished debater, way way better than I ever was. But she uh, made it to the semifinals at the national championship for high school. Wow! And uh, yeah, talk about that's an intimidating kid. <laughs> it's yeah. like good good luck with your kids <laughs> once they start. It's like you realize they're so much smarter than you. <laughs> it's like well. Oh, I'll boy. try my best to give you the best advice I can, but <laughs> you already know more than I do. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I did some I did some debate and uh, forensics, and I think um, having those critical thinking skills and and research skills, and you know, um, really reading and and listening to uh, sure. folks with points of view can that's really helpful it to is. be a good citizen. Yeah. And be civically engaged. All about talking to people, For which sure. is what we do best here on the podcast. So uh, this month, we actually did bring in another guest. Uh, we brought in Ashley, our civic engagement librarian, and uh, we rely on her for her expertise on on some of the programming and, and things that they do in the civic yeah. engagement committee. Yeah, and it's, it's not just the uh, events, which uh, there are, you know, historically there have been in-person events and then also online events, but she also puts together a lot, or I guess her team puts together a lot of resources that we feature in the research section of the website under Community Matters. And um, there's um, a lot of gold to be mined there. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we're we're going to have our conversation with Ashley here in just a second, uh, and then after that, uh, we reached out to that committee, the Civic Engagement Committee, with yes, a few did. questions and asked them to respond to our prompts to try to dig into a little bit more about why civic engagement is important and why these people chose to join that committee. Yeah, and we we want to thank all all those folks for for calling in and sharing those, and I'm I, I know that you're going to enjoy listening to those. Yeah, and then and and then Charles, you you reached out to uh, Melanie Femler, right? And uh, I you... did. Yeah, she she runs our Community Matters Book Club, so I reached out to her, and I just wanted to find out a little bit more about uh, what that program entails and who participates and kind of the the purpose behind it since it is part of this broader community focus that we have at the library uh, and, look forward to hearing that but that's yeah. not all we could that's stop not. there and say that's a jam-packed we could, top we could, quality episode but, but, but we, we don't we don't <laughs> we like to make these as long as possible <laughs> Uh, and I actually did reach out again to a, a local musician, Jill Westra, of Jill Westra and them KC Boys, and she was kind enough to provide us with her most recent single and have a short discussion with me about her music. That's a lot. So I don't know about you, but I, I think we should just jump in. I think that sounds great. Let's do it. So we're going to talk about Community Matters, and we went straight to the source. We have a civic engagement librarian, and her name is Ashley, and she's joining us right now. How are you, Ashley? I'm good, Dave. How are you? Doing very well. Uh, so you know what? I, I had never heard of a civic engagement librarian before I started working for the Johnson County Library. In, in a nutshell, what what do you tell people when they say – what the heck do you do? <laughs> um, so my like one sentence little elevator pitch is I help members of our community be the best members of the community that they can be, um, whether they be uh, want to be active in politics, whether they want to help solve problems in their community. I'm here to help support them along the way and give them the tools that they need and the knowledge. When, when you were a little kid, did you say, I want to grow up to be a civic, a civic engagement librarian? No. Uh, my very first job ever was as a library page. And I was like, I will not be a librarian when I grow up. I will be way cooler than that. Um, and then I became a librarian. <laughs> <laughs> you realized it was the coolest job. The, yeah, the coolest. Yeah. So... <laughs> But were there things in your history and your scholarship or, you know, personal interests that led you to this particular field of uh, librarian, uh, librarianism? <laughs> yeah. Charles, I, help me. <laughs> <laughs> Librarianship. Librarianship. There you go. I – I oh well one I always loved I grew up in the library so that 
piece. You know, we went to the library every week. I was allowed to check out whatever books I wanted. Um, we'd come home with a stack. Uh, and then my first job ever was in the library too. So I, I feel like I kind of grew up in the library. And then the other thing I was always, I've always been, I grew up in a very politically active home. I grew up, my dad's, I went, every time my parents went to vote, we'd go vote with them. Um, my parents were always talking about, especially my dad, about politics with us, the things that we should care about, the things that we should be aware about. Um, so that was always in my mind. And I went to college in Washington, D.C., and I was an intern on Capitol Hill as well. Oh, and, wow. Um, Congressman Carnahan's office. He was out of St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, so I had that experience. Which and, university in, in, in D.C.? George Washington. George Washington. I went to mm -hmm. uh, their campus. My daughter and I, we did you know the whole <laughs> campus tour thing. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, it is yeah. a beautiful campus. It's kind of like yeah. it's all integrated into the city, but there's also little respites. Um, but yeah, so I decided I did not want to have anything to do with politics, though, personally. Um, I, I so that wasn't your undergraduate major? My undergrad major, originally, the reason I went picked GW was international studies. They have okay. an amazing international studies program, but... I it it I I wanted to do something that was a little bit more granular that I felt like helped people really directly, um, and I did feel like when I was in the congressman's office, everyone every single one of them were passionate about helping people, but I did feel like I was like, well, but you're not always accomplishing it, <laughs> it you know, like it takes a lot yeah. of work to get something in politics to actually happen to actually help people. Whereas I, I was like, well, when I worked at the library, like we were helping people all the time. <laughs> right. um, and so that's kind of how I ended up uh, pivoting to that, that way. That's awesome. awesome. That, yeah. That's, that's so interesting. It's so funny. I, I have to share with the audience before we started recording, we were all chit chatting about um, our, our love of uh, schoolhouse rock back in the, the day and, uh, how a lot of us, that's, that was our first introduction to uh, civics and the, the legislative world. And so you mentioned that you, you uh, saw the, the um, I'm just a bill on Capitol Hill piece. I think most people remember that. Which, what, what other piece did you, did you mention and, and that you remember from those Schoolhouse Rock days? <laughs> Yeah, so in high school, we had to memorize the preamble in uh, our civics class. And so our teacher, he used uh, the the we, the people version. I don't want to sing. I have a very bad voice <laughs> uh, to get us to mem memorize the preamble. And I don't think I could recite the preamble without singing it to the Schoolhouse Rock I'll, version. I'll sing with you. <laughs> we, the people... In no, you go ahead, Charles. This is great. A more I... perfect union. Um, no, that, nobody else joined. Okay. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't know it. I'm sorry. You don't great. Know, well, you'll have to. You'll have to listen to it afterwards, and then you'll remember the preamble. You just gotta listen to it a couple, a couple of times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I think. Uh, this is a great place for us to jump into uh, talking a little bit about what you do. So um, 
as a civically uh, a civic engagement librarian, uh, one of the things is uh, a lot of different programs, and so you've had a number of different um, programs out there, and and one of them that seems to be just an amazing success, and and maybe you could talk about the different types of success you've had because we've had the in-person legislative coffees, and then a very successful but very different version, which are our online legislative coffee sessions. Yeah, so we've been doing the legislative coffees for, I think, it was, I think I, we started doing it the year I got married, so 2014. Um, I was a little baby, a little baby librarian. Um, uh, so since 2014, so is that right? Yeah, it's got it. I think or most of, it might. It was 2013 or 2014, so seven or eight years that we've been doing wow. it. Um, and we started out at just three branches, experimenting, and then we expanded, and then expanded again. Um, so the during that we were actually in the middle of them when the pandemic struck in 2020 and had had finished I think half of them and then had to kind of pivot to uh, we did some makeup ones online and uh, then in 2021 earlier this year we moved it to Zoom um, and it was a it's a different feeling I miss doing them in person we're right now we're talking about for 2022 what that might look like um, of course yeah. with the the pandemic, everything constantly is changing. And so you, you make plans and, <laughs> you well, know, you're like, eh. and, and so I remember the in-person ones, you put the library just about at capacity, right? There were a lot of people that were showing up for those. Yeah, we had, we were in that tiny little room in Corinth for the first couple years and it was pretty full those years. And finally we had to move, I feel bad over every Saturday uh, that we do it at Corinth because we just fill, we moved out into the main space of Corinth and it just takes over for that morning. Um, I'm sure there's some very surprised patrons that walk <laughs> walk in and think, what, what is going on? <laughs> um, right. But, you know, maybe they get to learn a little bit about their Kansas uh, state uh, legislature at, at the same time as they. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for, for people that think that librarians shush, it's like, oh my, that is, that's a, uh, uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's that's an overload on the librarian's responsibility. That's a lot of people to shush. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I did not say fun. that joke very well, Charles, but <laughs> it was funny in my head. I think sometimes those big events, though, like you were saying, that's a great opportunity for people that are just wandering in to see something like that and really connect with their community and what's going on around them. Yeah, I agree. I I do believe um, we host in the main areas of, we actually have outgrown the meeting room of several of the branches. So at Blue Valley, we host in the main area. We've had over 200 people before at that one. Same for Corinth, we've hit over 200, I believe. Um, Lenexa at the City Center Library, we host, and at Lackman, we've hosted in the old, the old Blackman, we hosted in the main area because we outgrew those meeting rooms too. Um, it's a exciting place where they get to meet and talk to their legislators in person and the whole programs about yeah. what their questions are. Yeah. So now you're in a different world where we still invite people to come and be part of the live recording, but then those recordings live on forever and ever. And I should go ahead and plug our YouTube channel here that you can find um, – if you go to uh, Joko Lab, so 
youtube.com slash Joko Library, and we've got a, a playlist for um, our civics. And uh, that's where you can find all of the uh, community engagement videos. And right now, it looks like there are five of them. So um, if you are interested in what we're talking about today and you want to listen to some of those episodes, you can definitely do that. And uh, so I did my homework and I've been listening to them and you do a great job, Ashley. Um, I mean, I think I'd be pretty intimidated with the number of, you know, legislative folks that you have to corral. It's like they're authorities, but you have to be the authority in the room. It's like, Hey, one minute. And I mean, and you, you, you don't sound like this, but that's, you have one minute and you need to keep to your one minute, you know? And I make, uh, I make the timekeeper be the bad guy. That's yeah, the, that's the key that, is you assign somebody <laughs> else to be the bad guy. Always. <laughs> Delegate so, the bad guy role. It's, it's interesting. So, um, do you always uh, let, let me back up for a second because the uh, last episode I, I listened to, um, you had about five different legislators, and uh, the topics ranged from gerrymandering to healthcare, drug rehabilitation, education, mask mandates, racial justice, and and there were more topics than that. But I just wonder, sort of the behind the scenes part. Do you fully rely on the audience to provide those questions, or do you come with a certain number of questions and then just kind of mix them up, or how does it work? The questions are all audience provided. We don't provide any questions at all. Um, this past, usually mo in most years prior, we just we start with a blank slate. Um, but this past year, because it was all online, we decided that we would put a form up so people could submit their questions ahead of time. So we had an idea about what some of the questions might be, but people were able to submit also live. So, um, you know, we had questions up. Usually we have way more questions than we can even ask. So we try and prioritize to based off of what what either topic we're seeing that's most popular or if we see sometimes it's surprising but you'll get not identical questions but near identical questions you know because there'll be bills in the um in the legislature that are coming forward so people will be asking you know reading the news and they'll see and so they'll be asking about those same things um well, we have a clip, so let's give it a listen. Okay, so to go back to the education bill, it is absolutely going to come back. Uh, you know, when that bill was defeated in the Senate, I thought, oh boy, that completely changes the game. I had originally thought that we might have a short, very short veto session, but um, we're not going to have a short veto session anymore because uh, because that bill will need to be reworked. And obviously it will look different because um, some things will need to be changed if they are going to uh, get it past both chambers since it failed in the Senate. Um, now, as far as I am concerned, I think one of the big problems with that is, is that we run into major issues when you're bundling policy with appropriations. And so uh, I feel like we should just make those basic, uh, you know, appropriations to our uh, to our education budget and keep that clean of any sort of real philosophical ideas about how we educate our students. Um, but. That's just, you know, I, well, I was going to say that's just me. That's obviously not just me, but um, but obviously the powers that be prefer to sort of bundle those things together. 
So another Community Matters event that we have online currently right there on our YouTube channel is um, Civics 101. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and how that got started. So uh, with the presidential election, we saw that people – well, actually, the real reason it got started, I just remembered, I totally forgot, was at the legislative coffees, I was seeing questions about topics that I thought, oh, we could help answer and educate uh, our you know, our community about these issues that maybe they're a little confused about. Sometimes we would get questions that weren't really appropriate for the Kansas legislators, but they didn't know who else to ask or where to ask these questions. So they would um, ask at the legislative coffees. And so I thought, oh, this is an area that we could help at the library. Uh, So that's where the impetus for the idea came about. And then with the presidential election, we thought this is a good time to start some of this and and help answer people's questions. Yeah, uh, and it, it it was really fascinating. Um, you know, I I thought I knew all about the First Amendment, but it's it's a lot more uh, complex than than I knew. And uh, uh, tell me how how do you go about getting uh, the the folks to participate um, to to present? So we just kind of. For in the past, the most recent ones, we've we've gone with what we're hearing from our audience they want to hear about or um, common questions that I had been seeing at the legislative coffees. We just look and scour for local. I have a committee of people that helps me, and they help me identify potential speakers. I don't, I can't, and don't do it all alone. Uh, so they're they're a big help, and they they look. Uh, at local universities or local organizations and help help me figure out who might be a good speaker. And sometimes I ask the former speakers for other, <laughs> other speakers. <laughs> sure. Use your resources. <laughs> well, let's give a listen to a clip from a Civics 101 session. We got another one, and this maybe is a good segue for you too. Do the same rules apply to government actors in the form of social media? Ah, there we go. Thank you for the nice segue, free speech and social media. Um, so so um, maybe we can come back to this question after I run through through the slide. Um, and, but I hope that what I have would answer it uh, sort of automatically. So let's start with the idea that there's really two sets of questions uh, relating to social media when we think about freedom of speech. One question is, can the government regulate social media um, uh, or does regulation of social media and the social media providers violate free speech? Um, So uh, this is dealing with circumstances where the government might say, Facebook, uh, you can't, you can't allow false uh, postings or uh, false information about the COVID-19 or, or the like, um, or where the government targets the speaker. Uh, you posted stuff on Facebook, we're coming after you because that is unlawful. So in this cir- circumstance, we're dealing with the highest levels of free speech protection. And any effort by the government to limit the content of speech on a social media platform, Twitter, Facebook, um, Snapchat, whatever, is going to be a problem uh, and likely violate uh, the First Amendment. 
So there are a number of other programs, and so some of them may be coming to an end. Some of them have gone away for a while. Let's just kind of touch base and see where they're at. Um, so gather at the table. Before the pandemic, that was quite popular, but obviously we had to stop doing that. What? What? Will we see that again, or is that gone indefinitely? It. We, we will see it again someday, I believe. Uh, I just don't know when. Uh, it's a difficult time to get a bunch of strangers together in a room to sit at a table and eat together. Uh, but that's that's essentially what uh, Gather at the Table was. It was an opportunity yeah. to discuss uh, and, difficult and, topics with strangers. Yeah. And that's not one that really transfers well to the digital uh, no. realm, right? I mean, no. watching people eat over like a webcam and yeah, and it's 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 hard to have. A, I mean, it's hard for me even with people that I know and I'm comfortable with to have a conversation on Zoom. I'm constantly interrupting people, um, so it's not the most ideal and easiest to translate to online. But we we used to. I think it was monthly. I think it got up to monthly by the time oh. the pandemic hit. We every month we were having a conversation in the Central Resource Library that was intergenerational about all kinds of um, difficult topics in the news or. I was just saying along those lines of gather at the table, the, the news and views one has seemed like kind of a, an online approximation of that. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit, Lighter, I don't want to say it's, it's, I wouldn't call it lighter, harder, but it is, it's similar to Gather, um, but it's not, it's not quite identical. Gather is 100% just about your personal experiences, your personal point of views, um, and news and views. It is, it incorporates current events and things that people are reading in the news, gives them a chance to talk about it, and then also incorporates some of their, their personal Mm -hmm. experiences as well. And, and that one's still ongoing, right? Yep. We have one scheduled for October 20, the evening of October 21st, and then an, a morning session on October 20, 26th. Yeah. And so um, that is really all about uh, critical thinking, critical listening skills, and, and being evaluative of, of media. Is that yeah, Am I that's, close? that's part of it. That's a, a, it's an opportunity for people to read news critically, share what they've learned from that news, share maybe what they disagree with that they read, um, yeah, and, and incorporate their, their own personal experiences into it because ultimately, um, everything that's political is personal. For sure. And so one thing that you've done in your position, um, if folks listening want to go to the website, jokolibrary.org, um, you'll see that top right of you <laughs> navigation <laughs> under research, um, click um, all topics. And so under all topics, you'll see uh, community matters. And so if you go to the community matters page, you will find there are a ton of really great resources. Some of them are local publications like the Shawnee Mission Post and Blue Valley Post, Kansas City Star. Um, 
there's a really great uh, website called Local. Oh, it's called uh, My Resource Connection, and it's all about local help in the community. Um, there's a link to the Community Matters uh, events, and then there are these great guides. And I believe you, if not just you, you and your team have put together these guides and and one of them is evaluating media and digital information so is that something that um you know is is referenced in uh your your news and views group or as a resource so i i believe that it is included in our we we also create a list in case people don't want to have to hunt down their own article or podcast we Cure, cull a, a small list of potential articles or podcasts that they could listen to on whatever the topic is in a given month. And I believe we do link out to the evaluating media guide too, just as a little like reminder of <laughs> read critically, think critically, uh, don't believe everything that you read, even if, um, you know, even if it's coming from a reliable source, still consider evaluate yeah. consider who's writing yeah. it who's saying it what their motivations might be all of those yeah, things. If, if evaluating media and digital information and so it reads mm-hmm. our civic engagement librarians have produced this evaluating media and digital information guide to help you with fact checking resources build your critical thinking and library curated lists and so you've got some really great resources there like um ap fact check and factcheck.org and PolitiFact, PolitiFact, and Snopes, and then all kinds of resources to build critical thinking, and then uh, curated lists, and so yeah, that's that's great. Um, my my personal favorite is the Common Sense Media. It's all it's a teen driven, so they train teens on how to evaluate media, and then those teens go out and train other people on evaluating media. And I just think that's oh, I think that's very cool. Neat. And and then some of these other guides, you have uh, one that's information for voters, which that's exactly what a library should have. I mean, if, if you um, don't know um, and, and you want to research uh, these these topics, you know, um, everything from where you need to uh, vote or where you need to register or, you know, how to do that online and, and – uh, you know, non nonpartisan and nonprofit, uh, you know, uh, websites to really help you in uh, voting, and uh, a lot of great information about um, e- elections, and then uh, candidate and ballot research. You know, after you know, there's there's this point. I think. It, through one's life, you have that first opportunity to go vote and you're like really proud of yourself and that's great. And then somewhere over time, you realize that you know the big folks to vote for, but then there are all these other smaller issues that you didn't really know about until you got into the voting booth or um, judges. Should they be retained? I don't want to fire somebody unjustly, you know. And so um, it's so great that there are resources out there and you can really be informed. And so I I am proud to say I no longer just vote blindly <laughs> or leave things blank because I go in um, informed. And uh, 
I wish I had consulted. I, I wish I had this guide available. This is so, so great. Um, yeah. And I, when I go to vote, I always pull up the Johnson County Elections Office. They let you access your sample ballot 20 days nice. ahead of time. So I always, I print that off and I use that as my guide. And I actually, I fill out the little paper before I go because I will sometimes, even though I've read a lot about a specific topic when I'm in front of the little screen, I'll blank. So then I can pull out my little sample ballot and we'll print all of those off. Everything voting related. Also, we the library will print for free for anyone so that that's oh, not nice. a barrier. I, I've got to say that last year in 2020, the mail-in ballot that I did for uh, for both the the primary and the general election in 2020. That was so nice to be able to look at all these resources while I'm filling out a mail-in ballot and I could take my time and I didn't feel that pressure of being in the booth and people waiting on me to get, get my boxes checked and get out of there. That was, that was great. And then the last research guide that I wanted to point out was uh, state and local government. And how, how great is it that you all made one-stop shopping out of, you know, you've, you've created a, a list where if, if you've ever wondered, well, how, who do I contact? How do I contact, you know, the folks in government? You've made a list of all the state and local government, because um, everything from the official website of the state of Kansas um, – all the offices in the executive branch, everything in the uh, legislative branch, judicial branch, all of Johnson County government, and then all the municipal governments in Johnson County. And so uh, there are links uh, everywhere. <laughs> and so what, what a great resource. Um, it's, it's pretty fantastic. Um, was, was that difficult to – I mean that's at least a day's work, right? <laughs> Uh, well, you know, uh, like I like I said, I've got a team of people behind me. I think the the hardest thing for me, I'm not a details person, so making sure all the links actually worked. <laughs> like I went through and I I clicked on all of them, and then I had somebody uh, somebody else double and triple check me um, because I I did not create all these guides myself. But um, you know, if somebody's gonna have a broken link in there, it's gonna be me. I'm gonna be the one that. <laughs> Well, being being from the web world, a lot of times it's it's not your fault at all. Other folks change things around and don't let you know, so you learn the hard way later. Um, well, I, I think the last thing that we really want to talk to you about is it's kind of an open question, but uh, what what is the library's uh, relationship with the upcoming elections? So the library is here to provide support to anyone who's voting, help guide them, help answer any questions that we can. Um, we are here to help, you know, if you need, you're doing candidate research and you need to print off something, we'll print it for free. And then we also provide polling places, not necessarily everybody's polling places, but we are polling places. And then we do have the ballot drop off boxes. And those are available to anyone who is voting in advance by mail. Um, you can drop off your ballot at any of the library locations with a ballot drop box um, and vote that way as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And um, we look forward to all the upcoming events and we're sure that the audience is 
going to make use of all the great resources that we have available. And so uh, thanks again, Ashley. We really yeah, appreciate thank it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Charles. Hi, my name is Matt Emery. I am one of the Youth Services members of the Civic Engagement Team. I'm on the Civic Engagement Team for two main reasons. The first reason is I believe that everyone should have access to information to help inform their choices of living and contributing towards civil society. The second reason is I am an immigrant to the United States and in the process of becoming an American citizen. And Civic Engagement gives me the opportunity to learn about America and what it means to be American while serving my community. Uh, that is what covers why I'm on the team. And I believe the future for civic engagement is bright because with more migrants like myself becoming citizens, there'll be people wanting to find out more about this great country and how to engage more with the services that it provides as well as people that were born into America and would like to find out more about the country that they've grown up in and love as much as we do. My name is Catherine, and I am a member of the Civic Engagement Community Matters Committee. For me, civic engagement means being aware of and also being involved in what is going on in your community and how it affects your community, whether it's political, social, or environmental. Community matters is exactly what it says. Our communities matter and it takes all of us to make it better. I am not very politically minded, so I definitely appreciate those on the committee who are. My drive to serve on this committee is more for the community engagement part, creating the safe spaces, being a bridge for the uncomfortable conversations, building and sharing resources that patrons may be ashamed to ask for or just don't know where to start. Our work and programs are important because we provide the knowledge and the resources to make informed decisions. People trust libraries. So we make the perfect starting point for when patrons see things happening and want to learn more, but have been turned off by information overload. My hope right now for civic engagement is to continue to be a platform for patrons where they feel they can make informed decisions. I hope that we can give patrons a sense of wanting to explore more and become even more invested. If I'm being optimistic, I think the future of civic engagement could be joint municipality programming. In our area specifically, so many of our patrons cross city, county, and state lines. And in one way or another, we are all affected by those decisions made across those lines. Why shouldn't we have joint programming ventures? Hi, this is Hillary. I serve on the Civic Engagement Committee because I hope that the work we do and the programs we offer can help people understand the issues and navigate their choices when it comes to matters of community. In order to participate in shaping our communities, we need to be informed and involved. And I think civic engagement provides the framework that allows people to get started and participate in events and decisions that will make a difference.
We all live in communities that we want to thrive and be happy in. Civic engagement helps people understand how to participate in shaping that community. All right, everybody, and I am back here with Melanie Fimler. Melanie is our elementary coordinating librarian, and she is going to tell us a little bit about the Community Matters Book Club. Welcome to the podcast, Melanie. Hi, thank you so much for having us, and I'm thrilled to be talking about this particular book club. Um, It's one that we really kind of visioned out of the COVID pandemic and the need to move our book clubs online in a time when um, just as a society and as individuals living within diverse communities, uh, we were living in a really complex time. And so this really came forward because there was a strong patron um, request for some intergenerational programming. And we thought um, at this particular time and unique point in our history, there was just really such a need to open conversations between um, parents and youth, caregivers and youth, teachers and youth, and just really understand the variety of perspectives that um, we're living and breathing in our communities in very passionate ways. And so this really came about and encouraged families to sign up together. And so we, um, you know, we have a template and kind of a flow that we do where um, we open with a picture book. And so we start with this shared experience around whatever topic we're discussing um, during that month's session. And mm-hmm. so we've covered a variety of topics. Those might include um, LGBTQA plus topics, body image issues, um, and topics we've discussed um food insecurity, home insecurity. We've discussed race. And so we really try to run the gamut of um, thinking about the messages that our youth and parents are seeing through social media, um, you know, news media, and just the different outlets that we are all immersed in on a daily basis and really thinking about how to bring people around the table to have conversations in a a community-based and safe setting where we're talking to each other and um and not and not a screen or or really creating that two-way dialogue and so to kind of go back to our template we start with a picture book and so we all have this shared experience around whatever complex topic we're we're addressing in that in that time or in that session and so we encourage you know students to ask questions parents to ask questions caregivers who whoever may be there um, in the space and you know we'll open with an icebreaker um, we also have some norms that we set in place and we call these just agreements that we have around a campfire and mm-hmm. so those are that we expect the space to feel tricky um, but we also expect it to feel safe, but safe doesn't mean comfort necessarily. And so we also set the expectation that things may become uncomfortable, but that's when we really encourage each other to reach out to one another as opposed to kind of, um, you know, that, that natural feeling of, you know, kind of shrinking in or becoming sure. silent that we want the conversation to happen. And that's why we're providing the space. And so, um, those have really set up a, um, a really trusting space, I would say. And we see a lot of return families each month and each season. And so then that helps build that trust too. When you can come back season after season, month after month, see some of the same faces and really start to connect in that way. Um, 
Yeah. And so then after that, yeah, after that picture book experience um, that we kind of open the conversation with, then we go into um, the the chapter books that they've read. So we send home two each month. Um, They can read both or one or the other. And so sometimes we'll break out into smaller groups and um, do breakout rooms. And and again, kind of that small group conversation can feel safer than, um, you know, being in a, in a larger virtual space and, um, you know, being posed with, with questions that, you know, might make us think a little deeper than um, Mm -hmm. we typically do or make us, um, you know, challenge our own thoughts and beliefs. And so, um, again, we really try to build that trust in a variety of ways with the patrons and the staff and making sure everyone's, um, encouraged and, and led in those conversations in a safe way, um, in a way that stays rooted in the text too. Um, you know, our characters and the settings and stories that unfold in the pages of the books we sent out to our patrons really can help us learn those lessons and understand different perspectives. And so we really, um, aim to stay rooted in the text and the conversation conversation that it brought forth and the thinking that it brought forth too. Okay. That, that is a, a lot of cool information there about the program. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And, and sure. the in-depth overview, what, what age ranges have you seen? I know you said it's a family program. It is, yeah. So, you know, we, we uh, promote it or encourage families um, and youth ages eight through 13, eight through 12, um, just because of, you know, the complex nature of some of the topics, but because Mm -hmm. it is a family, um, a family book club and because, uh, families are together in the evenings, we'll see little brothers and sisters and sometimes pets pop in too and, and engage in the conversation. And so that is another piece that just makes it really lively and energizing. Um, even if they haven't read the book, um, just to see them listening and, and being a part of the, the conversation in that way is, um, just really encouraging thinking about how we can model how to have civil discourse around, um, complex topics that people all feel differently about. And so we validate those feelings, we validate those viewpoints and we show and model for students, you know, and, and youth, how to come to the table and appropriately discuss and disagree. Well, that's one of the things that we like to really think about is we don't all have to think the same or be the same, but there's a way to disagree. Well, and what does it look like to say, I disagree. And here's why, um, and maintain the relationship and the community within that space. Yeah, and that seems like such a, a, a powerful message to yeah. send to people that you don't have to always agree that just having those conversational skills and knowing how to mm-hmm. how to communicate with someone who may have a differing viewpoint, that's that's really awesome. Yeah, we really, we, that was kind of one of our fundamental or our foundational like pillars as we built it is that sometimes by the time we're having these hard conversations, we've been so inundated with bad ways of doing it (laughs) that we Mm -hmm. don't know how to engage effectively. Um, And so we just, yeah, we thought, you know, the younger we can start and, you know, really kind of model that and be a space for that, then kids can know it's possible. And then they can go into spaces as they grow and say, hey, I have these skills and I want to bring them here and, um, you know, yeah. ultimately see that ripple effect. Okay. Well, the the program seems like it's been a success so far. Mm-hmm. If people are interested in participating in future Community Matters Book Club events, yes. uh, what would be the best way to get get off get in touch with you or get a 
get signed up for the event. Sure. They can always um, head over to the Johnson County Library webpage and go to events um, and, and see where um, and then just type in the in the search bar there. Uh, Community Matters Book Club, and it will come. It will populate um, the dates, times, and books that we'll be reading, um, and then they register there, and then we follow up in an email um, to make sure that we have the correct contact information for them to be able to send the books and get them ready for the book club and the conversations that we'll have. And so that's probably the easiest way. Um, of course, they can search my name on the staff page too and send me an email, and I'll be happy to guide them into how to get registered. Um, and I think it's, I just want to make one more important point because these topics that we discuss can be complex. We typically also pull in an outside facilitator who has um, lived experiences around these topics. And so that's really important to us too, just in terms of having a voice at the table that can speak from the perspective or um, personally from the topic that we're, yeah. um, that we're discussing. And so know too that this is a club then that connects with the community beyond the library as well in terms of those speakers and sometimes even author events. We've had authors of the books that we've read come in and talk to kids about their experiences and how the book came to fruition through what they had lived. Um, and so it's powerful in that way too. Yeah. That, that is a great I'm I'm gonna have to look into this a little bit more myself yeah, too. Just, yeah, the more the yeah. merrier. We love we love pulling this group together and it, yeah, it's it's been well received by our patrons and, and continues to be a very powerful experience to those who who participate. Very cool. Well thank you for joining us today, Melanie. Yes, thank you so much for having us and, and highlighting our program. truck stop parking lot can hold me tonight I got a full tank of gasoline and eyes open wide They're playing stones on the radio on DJ Tommy's midnight show ain't nothing on these winding roads can stop me now from making it home don't want to be no statistic on the highways but I've been missing my baby now for nine long days All in one piece And when he tells me how he loves me So I throw the hammer down far as it can go Ain't nothing on these winding roads Can stop me now from making it home Home, home Don't wanna be no statistic on the highways But I've been missing my baby now for nine long days And I'll be damned if I'ma let it be ten Every mile that goes by you think there's money at the finish line The way that I drive But they got stones on the rail 
And that was Speedin' Again, the most recent single from Jill Westra and them KC boys. Jill is joining us now. Jill, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the band? You bet. So I'm Jill Westra. I am one-fourth of the band Jill Westra and them KC boys. And as you would probably guess from the name of the band, we are a Kansas City-based band. Um, I've got... uh, Joe Guthrie on drums in there, and Mark Fransky on guitars, and Leo Eilts on bass, and uh, Mark and Leo and I all three sing, and I also play guitars. So that's the roster of the band. Um, We got together about two years ago and released an EP with four songs on it in 2019. Um, And then COVID hit and we didn't really do much of anything. So that single that you just listened to was kind of a home recording that we did just to make ourselves feel good during 2020. (laughs) We were actually up to something and doing something. Um, And that's the only thing that that we've actually recorded since the pandemic. So hopefully as things start to improve, you know, we we might pick a couple more tunes to get into the studio as well. Yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, we're just playing live where we can and, you know, uh, trying to trying to trying to keep up in the band business, but uh, what with the the situation out there and and pandemic right. stuff, it's a little challenging. Okay, and so what changes have there been over the last couple of years? I I guess COVID would be one big one, um, but I saw that you also do some solo work. Was that predating the band, or was that since you've? Uh, uh, a change due to COVID. Correct. Well, I've I've always done solo stuff, um, just in, in various iterations um, of my own singer songwriter stuff. But uh, you know, I prefer I prefer playing with band. Um, I also play in a in a duo called Distant Cousins as well, um, just to you know keep my finger in a number of pies, so that yeah. I'm kind of always you know when especially when you're in a group like we are with uh, four musicians who also have their other side projects, you can't always count on everybody's schedules to dovetail nicely and neatly. So you got to sure. stay busy somehow. And that's why every now and then I'll, I'll do some singer songwriter gigs on my own or uh, do some pop-up gigs with the duo with distant cousins. And yeah, it's all about just trying to make yourself flexible and agile and, and be able to play anytime you're asked. In one okay. way or another. Okay. So, so how um, I found you through our own library website. So, what is your relationship with the library um, th- through to our arts and culture? I know you've done an interview with uh, our arts local arts librarian Brian before. Um, what is your relationship in your either professional or just your personal relationship to the library? Well, I am a library card carrier, and uh, I have a I have a sixth grade daughter, and we got involved with librarying when we first moved to town about six years ago. Um, being Johnson County residents, obviously, that mm-hmm. was one of our first stops. So, other than just being a patron, you know, I I always like to to talk about what I'm up to. So, when I was approached for an interview last year, you know, I was absolutely happy to do so. Um, but yeah, I just I, I love the fact that you all support local musicians and artists, and you know, happy to happy to give my time wherever I can because I am a, a big fan of of the Johnson County Library System. I think it's first rate, top notch. 
Well, thank thank you for saying that. That's very kind. Uh, they. So you said you had one EP that you released. Is, is there a second one now, or? Nope, nope, just one just EP. Just one? Uh, okay. and, and then, yeah, the single that was released, and so that's available as a single on all streaming platforms and YouTube and what have you. Uh, we've got a website, we've got a um, Facebook page, et cetera. So, you know, okay. all our songs are out there for, for public consumption. And um, but otherwise, the only physical I, I don't really believe in, in releasing physical CDs anymore. No, I, I don't listen to CDs anymore. And I don't think there's many people out there that do. So it's really more of a very expensive business card to hand out to your friends <laughs> and prospective fans. And um, just, you know, being uh, trying to be as sustainable as possible uh, in everything I do. I don't I'm not sure we're going the route of the old fashioned CD anymore, but yeah. There you yeah. 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 Okay. And then they can find that you said a, a few different ways, YouTube, um, yep. the, the album through your website. Mm-hmm. Our west- uh, website is www.jillwester.com. If anybody's okay. interested. Jill it's out there. Yeah. And we do have, like I said, a, a Facebook page and some social media out there as well. Okay. And then if people want to come see you live, I, you said you were still performing at a few places around town. Is that correct? Right. Well, we have, you know, we kind of wrapped up all our summer gigs at the moment. So we will be maybe booking some, some fall opportunities, um, but we don't have any on the calendars right now. It was a very strange situation. You know, once venues started opening back up, mm-hmm. um, it was like the wild horses were released and all of the, the musicians, and the bands just came screaming out of the gates and, and booked everything up lickety split. So um, we we actually have uh, not a lot on the calendar going forward other than um, I've got some solo stuff and, mm-hmm. and I do some stuff. I have some stuff with Distant Cousins coming up. But uh, yeah, we are, we are looking for some opportunities in the fall. I think not knowing really what indoor venues are going to do at this point um, makes it a little challenging. And then again, just the desperation of all the, the musicians in town who haven't been right. able to dig freely for a year means that the competition is pretty stiff out there for getting the places that you you know you know and love and and want to play at. So, mm-hmm. that's so if you do get any of those, where where would people see that? Would what's the absolutely. best place to find your upcoming performances? Yeah, once those absolutely. Get the website and and our Facebook page. I keep that updated real well, and okay. um, so yeah, we would definitely have that out on on the interwebs if anybody's interested. Okay, well, that sounds great. Thank you for sitting down with me today and talking about your music. Virginia Brackett, author of In the Company of Patriots, journal entry, August 12, 2020. I don't write in my journal each day, even though it seems an important thing to be doing right now. When I could use writing the most in the middle of this thinking self-quarantine, my mind betrays me. In pandemic, thoughts don't arrive fully formed and ready to record. In pandemic, thoughts splinter. Their bits blow into the ether before I could even consider them. Or they do the opposite, settling in the mind like birds on a utility wire, noisy, in a straight line, occasionally lifting, but then returning to roost as vivid images. 
just so a picture came to me as I sat distracted, wanting to think about the day ahead, but probably because each day in isolation runs into the next, instead thinking of my past. On a sunny summer Arkansas afternoon, I must have been about nine years old, I walked into my best friend's dark family room, or den, as we called those rooms where families gathered. Her mother was doing something with her younger sibling, a sister, a brother, in the kitchen. Her father sat separate on a large chair facing the television. Suffering momentary sun blindness, I remember blinking several times, trying to bring into focus the object beside his chair. It looked like a leg that ended with a foot in the shoe, but how could it be standing there on its own with some strange leather apparatus attached to the top? In retrospect, I can understand my confusion. I may have heard of fake legs, perhaps even the term prosthesis, as that was the 1950s, and veterans and their sacrifice through civic duty were still in the minds of many, but I'd never encountered one, a prosthesis, I mean. As focus returned, I could see more clearly that leg across the room, standing of its own will, as well as the short and natural limb belonging to my friend's father. Had she told me about her father's missing limb? I don't know. I remember that as a child, I'd been taught not to blurt out thoughts that could be impolite, especially not to an adult. So I assume we passed quietly and quickly through the den to go to my friend's room to play. I recall no discussion about what I'd seen. Why do I remember this now? Maybe my subconscious has dredged up this particular memory to remind me that all suffering is comparative. What I suffer now, separated temporarily from my friends, my family, my community, unable to perform the simplest of errands or shopping duties for myself, feeling simultaneously bored and restless every day, is hardly a sacrifice. My parents' generation knew sacrifice well. I had never known my own father, lost to a sniper while serving in Korea when I was a baby. Our president labels himself a wartime president, but this is a different kind of war altogether from that defined by deaths in foreign locales far from our everyday. Instead, the pandemic dead and dying convert our hospitals into community battlefields. Sheltering in place, I'm going to try to finish the chapter in the novel I've been reading for two days, the one I should be discussing in our book club, Another Gathering Delayed. For now, I'll add the book title to the list in the front of my journal, a list that measure my days and years through pages turned. We end today's show with another installment of In Search of Paul Rudd. Hey, so we are back with another segment of In Search of Paul Rudd. <laughs> Glad to be here, Dave. Oh, Charles is here. Longtime listener, first time caller. Um, so so here's the thing. Um, I don't know where this is going anymore. I I 
I was, uh, you know what happens in the last episode? Mm-hmm. Probably because you probably didn't listen to the end. I don't think that people listen to the end. Well, I think people listen. And, well, and, and if they do listen to the end, I think they're disappointed because I've not made any progress on finding Paul Rudd. That is true. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm personally disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the kind of moral support I was thinking I'd get, but uh, or the problem solving. Well, um, you know, I I guess I've never asked you. Do you know Paul Rudd? I don't. I've seen his signature because I I did go to school. <laughs> I did go to school at Shawnee Mission West, and he before I attended there, he had been a Shawnee Mission West alumni. And he had come back and done a, a speaking event there at some point before I started, and he had signed the back wall of our auditorium. Oh, so they had cool. that on there, but he didn't leave any phone number or any way to get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man. A little bit at a loss there. Um, yeah. Hmm. I think I think the last episode, I did something really lame. You know how uh, – you you kind of tease the audience with a cliffhanger, and so uh-huh. I I had the phone ring, and I was like, "Hello, is, uh, may I speak with Paul Rudd?" And the uh, voice on the other says, "Just a moment." It's like, "Oh my gosh, the next episode! I'm going to tune in and I'm going to listen. I'm going to go right to the end of of the episode and and hear mm-hmm. finally." Paul Rudd, but you know, I I didn't make any call, and I. I used my, uh, you know, master. I'm, I'm a master of disguising my voice, I guess, because uh-huh. I, I played both you. parts, myself and the uh, the talent agent. And yeah. um, and to be honest with you, I guess it's confession time. I was gonna just go ahead and uh, you know do a phony phone call. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I mean well, by that? One I was, of the like the old. Call in, pretend the voice is Paul Rudd. Yeah, but I was going to do it myself. Uh, hey, Paul Rudd, you were, uh, you know, you, you did forensics uh, in uh, Shawnee Mission West uh, back in uh, the late 80s. Well, Dave, you know, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that's a fact. And uh, you seem like a good guy. Well, Paul, I am a good guy. Would you like to grab coffee sometime? Well, I guess I would. You know, he doesn't sound like anything like no. that. I, think, <laughs> I don't I think, know if that would <laughs> I think I think the audience would be onto that right away. I think so. Um, well, what's your opinion? What Should we stop doing this or should um, we continue where we just flounder or mm-hmm. – or this is a crazy idea. What if I actually did some legwork? And like Ooh. actually tried to find a way to contact Paul Rudd. That could be cool. It could be. Do you think our audience would be forgiving enough? I mean, we've devoted an entire segment of it that if we contact his agent and just had him like record even a five-second message like, hey, I was Paul Rudd and I love the Johnson County Library. Do you think our audience would be like, ah, well, it wasn't much, but at least they got that. <laughs> I, I think so. 
I think they would they would appreciate whatever little crumb they can get if they're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can contact us at the Did You Hear podcast at or is, or is it Did You Hear at jocolibrary.org. Yeah. And yes. so you can you can you can tell us uh, one of a couple things. You could tell us one if you're listening to the end of the, and then just say, "Hey, I I do I listen to the end because we'd appreciate yeah. hearing that." The other thing we would like to hear is if you actually do know Paul Rudd or have some suggestions, send them our way. Um, I really feel like we could maybe make this happen. Yeah. I don't Gotta get believe- serious about it. I don't believe myself when I say that, though. <laughs> I don't. I don't no. know that I'm convincing anybody that this is going to happen. Maybe, maybe know. this is the new technique where um, people feel pity. It's the secret. <laughs> like, it's I just the, can't. I just the can't. revised secret part too. <laughs> I just can't see this guy fail. He seems like such a nice guy. And, yeah. I mean. He puts together these two-hour-long <laughs> library <laughs> podcast episodes, and he puts up with Charles and all his That's BS. True. That's true. <laughs> it is. Oh, well, actually, so I have a colleague at Central who I heard talking about Paul Rudd the other day, and. It, it seems like a long shot, but I might actually pursue to see like how real this story was because she said she has a friend of a friend who is friends with one of his friends. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like five degrees away from Paul Rudd, but yeah, right. but maybe, maybe I <laughs> enough mean, connections. Yeah. Well, Let's give it a try. Okay. Did You Hear is a production of Johnson County Library in Johnson County, Kansas, USA. Find new episodes each month on our website, jocolibrary.org, and older episodes at jocolibrary.org slash didyouhear. You can subscribe to the Did You Hear podcast from our streaming home, jocolibrary.podbean.com, or search for Joko Library, or Did You Hear, at your favorite podcast streaming service. Also, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash jocolibrary, on Twitter at jocolibrary, on Instagram, instagram.com slash jocolibrary, and check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash jocolibrary. We'd love to hear from you via email. Write to us at didyouhear at jocolibrary.org. Hear a brand new episode on the first of next month. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.